All right, it's good to see everybody today. We have a special service today. It's the last day of 2021. It is the last Sunday of 2021. All right, did you have a good Christmas? All right, I'm going to ask Luke and Sabelle to come up. This morning, we uh, are going to dedicate my grandson to the Lord. Yes. I'll just start there. You know, family is so important. As you enjoyed, uh, chances are, Christmas with your family, either before or after Christmas, you'll get together. Uh, I have had family, and I am so privileged to have them during the holidays and, and just meeting together. Uh, our children have spent the night, even though that they live in the area, they have their own houses and apartments. We've invited them over so that we can have more of an intense time just to celebrate during the uh, Christmas holidays. And today, I want to uh, take special notice uh, to my father-in-law, Fred and Gloria Owens, that have come and visited us. Let's give them a hand today. And then also for the, uh, I'm going I'm to call it the Puerto Rican a connection, all right? All these wonderful people that are part of now my family as well as Sabelle's family. Can you stand just so that we can recognize you this morning? All right, let's give them a hand. <laughs> Gwen and I and our family, um, we, we, we would always want to go on a destination wedding where, where, you know, the wedding's somewhere, you know, somewhere tropical and nice, and especially in the wintertime, and it just worked out that Luke and Sibel got married in November, and it just so happened that we had to, I repeat, had to, <laughs> go to Puerto Rico, and it was a wonderful time that we enjoyed there together and met our new family, and uh, today they are here to, to take part in the celebration and really the honor of dedicating uh Luke and Sabelle's firstborn child, Alexander. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Gwen if she'll join me. And, and, and Sabelle's parents, Noling and Yolanda, would you come up here on the platform with us? And as they're coming, I'm going to ask uh, my children and their wives to come and stand on this side, if you would. Heath and May and Mark and Ashley and Brooke. And then also on this side, I'm going to ask for all of Noling's children to come. I believe there's Ashley and Kimberly and Nimsy to come and stand on this side. We're going to have most of the congregation here before long, I tell you what. All right, good looking people, aren't they? All right, now I'm going to ask the great-grandparents, Fred and Gloria, if you come, all the grandparents to come, or the uh, great-grandparents to come on up to the front, if you'll stand across here. If you would, stand up here and face the, uh, face the front, if you would, face us. And we're going to have all these people, we're going to, we're going to, let me tell you, we're going to have blessings upon them. Yeah, if you guys will just come across the front here. 
Now I'm going to ask all the uncles and aunts, if you feel okay, come on up and join around. Look, look at these grandparents, great-grandparents. We've got a heritage, and, and we're going to pray for them. Now this morning, I'm going to ask Noling. He has a beautiful voice, and he's going to uh, get a microphone, and, and he's going to bless us with a song. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a privilege to stay here. Um, my class, I talk in Spanish. It's a privilege to be with all of you here, and God bless you all. cantar una canción de celebración por lo que está sucediendo, pero hemos decidido cantar una canción de alabanza. We wanted to sing a song of celebration, but we are going to sing a song that praise the Lord. Because God has blessed us with Alexander. A wedding. <laughs> That's in life. A little more. Okay. En tus atrios estoy, Señor Jesús. He venido ante ti para ofrecer mi alabanza en gratitud. Eres digno, mi Jesús, de recibir la gloria y el honor. Aquí estoy, Señor, ante tu altar. Hoy entrego ante ti todo mi ser. Obra ahora en mi interior. Haz un nuevo corazón dirigido por tu Espíritu, Señor, vengo a ofrecer, mi Señor, mi corazón en adoración, quiero llenar. El santo lugar te quiero adorar. Sí, Señor. Pongo mi ser a tus pies, cual perfume de dolor quiero llenar. El santo lugar con mi adoración. Sí, Señor. I praise you. Gloria. 
En tus atrios estoy Señor Jesús He venido ante ti Para ofrecer Mi alabanza en gratitud Eres digno mi Jesús De recibir la gloria Y el honor Aquí estoy Señor ante tu altar Hoy entrego ante ti Jehová Todo mi ser Obra ahora en mi interior Haz un nuevo corazón Dirigido por tu Espíritu Señor vengo a ofrecer Mi Señor Mi corazón En adoración Quiero llenar El santo lugar Te quiero adorar Sí, Señor Jehová Pongo mi pies cual perfume de grato olor quiero llenar el santo lugar de mi adoración vengo a ofrecer En adoración quiero llenar el santo lugar, yo te quiero adorar. Pongo mi ser a tus pies, cual perfume. De grato olor Quiero llenar El santo lugar De mi adoración Quiero llenar El santo lugar Con mi adoración Sí Dios les bendiga Wonderful, wonderful Today we dedicate this wonderful little boy And I don't know if you heard him knowing, but he was kind of singing back up to you. <laughs> it is my privilege. And as we dedicate children to the Lord in this church, it, it is different than baptizing them as some denominations or some religions believe. 
but we dedicate the children, but really you could say that we're getting a commitment from the parents. And the commitment from the parents will be that they will raise the child in the way of the Lord. You know, my son is my oldest son, Luke, and Luke met Sabelle, and on their first date, it, it was kind of a situation that I've never encouraged or I never encountered in my life. Gwen and I had been out to eat that night, and we knew that Luke was going to go out on a first date. And it wasn't long until we got a text message, where, where are you at? So we told him the restaurant. They were across I-35 at another restaurant. And Luke said, do you mind if I come over and introduce you to this young lady? And I, I said, Luke, it's a first date. <laughs> so Sabelle showed up with big eyes like, what am I doing meeting the parents on the first date? Luke had a list of things that he asked, and it wasn't long until he realized of what a special lady Sabelle was, not even knowing until later what a wonderful family that she comes from. But when Gwen and I realized, and then we met the family, we realized the heritage that would go into our grandchildren. Not only would they be raised in the way of the Lord, but chances are he'll be bilingual. Yeah, that, that's a privilege. And so today, what I'm going to do, I'm going to ask Nimsy if she'll uh, translate into Spanish. Um, I'm going to pray, first of all, and I want to encourage you to pray along with me. I'm going to pray for the child. Then I'm going to pray for the parents. And then I'm going to pray for all of us as family and friends for one reason. We're going to pray believing favor and blessings upon Alexander, which the name Alexander means defender of men. And I believe with that name and that meaning, we're going to pray. And as he is raised, we, we believe, Pastor John believes, that he might not be a pastor of a church, but he will always be a minister no matter what he does, just like us. And so not only blessings and favor on little Alexander, that then we're going to pray for influence from the people that are around him all of his life to speak and encourage the truth into his life. So I'm going to pray, and, and I'm going to ask Nimsy to uh, do her best because this is, this is something new for me. But would you stand just for a few minutes, and we're going to pray. And if you feel comfortable, reach your hand towards the baby. I'm going to ask Noling and Yolanda, would you come around? And let's just lay our hands on Alex, as well as Sabelle and Luke. <clears throat> Father, today, I pray blessings on Alexander. Father, you know what we do not know for his future. But God, we believe that God, good things are on the horizon. We believe for strength in his life. That he will be influenced to serve you. The God that he'll make a decision to love you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Hallelujah. And now, God, I pray for his parents. Ahora, Señor, oramos por sus padres. God, I pray that Luke and Sibel would be encouraged in you. Señor, oramos para que Sibel y Luke estén motivados en ti. In the days to come in Alexander's life. En los días que vienen en la vida de Alexander. That they will be able to speak the word of God to him. Que ellos hablarán la palabra de Dios para él. That with the confidence of their life in you. Que la confianza que ellos tienen de su vida en ti. That he will see the fruit of their lives. Que él verá el fruto de su vida. And see that it is truth. Y verán que es cierto. God, I pray peace and favor upon Luke and Sibel. Te pedimos paz y favor sobre la vida de Luke y Sibel. In your name we pray. Amen. Now I want to pray for all of us. Father, I pray for not only the family that stands up here today. But I pray for the church that he attends. That we as family and a church. Will be able to live a life of an example. Vivir una vida que de the God that when he goes through troubled times. Señor, que él pase por when he goes through good times in his life. Por en su vida. The God that he will be encouraged by people that love him. Señor, que él esté por gente que le ama. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask my wife Gwen to come and have a word. So this rose is a bit like Alexander. It's a, it's a bud, and it's pure. He's like a, a, a clean slate. So I just charge you today, Sabelle and Luke, that as you raise him in the fear and admonition of the Lord, that you would teach him about salvation. Teach him, teach him about your, your, what your family know on both sides, a healing covenant. Yeah. Teach him about the ways of the Lord. Yeah. Teach him that. Teach him to love the church. May his most exciting days be in the house of the Lord, in the presence of God. And may your home be a place where his presence is first felt. And it's a familiar feeling that he's always comfortable in the presence of the Lord. May the Lord bless you as his parents. May the Lord bless you, Alexander. Amen. I'm so blessed as you can see these two young men up here, Malachi and Alexander today. What a full life ahead of them. Amen. Well, thank you, family. Let's give them a hand. Well, what a powerful song, Noling. That was Wonderful. Maybe I should have recorded that so I could limp sync that to someone, you know. That was wonderful. Let me tell you, Sabel has been a blessing to not only our church but to our family, and and so is Angel. Angel is uh, works at uh, Axiom Coffee as well as a faithful member of our church and uh, young adults. And so uh, we are blessed to have our, our family part of our church. 
This morning, as I preach this message, I, I promise to keep it brief, but at the same time, I want you to be encouraged. You know, there, there's messages where you hear something that you learn something. You're going to learn something today. But there's messages that they're for a purpose of encouragement. And what I want to encourage you today is to see God, as we've been talking about the whole month, a God that loves you. There, there's sometimes, as we've been really talking about, is the God of favor. And the God of favor, listen to me, I want you to hear this because sometimes we get in a place that things happen and we begin to blame God for them. We know people that have gotten mad because things have happened in their life. They get mad at God. They choose not to serve Him anymore. We've talked about this and I want to kind of get us all on the same page this morning as the last Sunday of the year and as we go into the first Sunday of the year. I want to encourage you to be here every Sunday of next year. I'm going to start with a sermon that's titled, This Time Next Year. It's for you. We've been talking about the God of favor, and we talked about how all of us have a belief system. If you know it or not, a system that is consciously and sometimes unconsciously working in the background. And what is happening is you make choices because of that belief system. And out of those choices, because of your belief system, will put you in an experience. Those experiences are so, are so valuable, and sometimes we don't even realize that where we are is because of the choice, and the choice is because of the belief system. And the experiences that we go through in life will contradict our belief system or confirm our belief system, and therefore we go on. Our belief system seems to be always changing. It doesn't mean our core values are changing, but our belief system. Let me tell you this, I am so glad, are you not, that your belief system have changed since you were 18 years of age? Because at 18, you could, I, I was kind of wondering, why are not people lining up to ask me how to live life? Because I had all the answers. Then you also, come on. Some of us were at that point firmly planted in what we call the stupid stage where not that everybody was necessarily stupid, but we were able to be smart enough to do what we thought was best. Our belief systems, our belief system, they put us in experience. And what I'm trying to encourage you today is God has circumstances for you that are coming in 2022 that you can't see now. But if you believe that we have a God that loves us, that not only is a God that has love, but He is love, that we understand that God has circumstances lined up for us that if we'll just get our eyes open and we'll realize it and we begin to walk by faith, by this time next year, we're going to talk about it next week, but by time this, this time next year, we're going to look back and go, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have walked in so much FUD. Fear, uncertainty, and doubt in my life and said, you never know, sometimes God does this. And so if we would just begin to look for the goodness of God, God will present himself in a way that some of us have never seen him. See, there's sometimes that we get to the place where we feel like I've already maxed out. I'm at an age or I'm in a position where I feel like I've gotten to the limit and there's limitations that are put on me. And, and pastor, you know, that you can preach again an encouraging message, but I just want to let you know that, that I, I don't know if I really can get an agreement because I don't know, I can't figure it all out. And let me encourage you by saying this, you don't have to figure it out, you have to believe. 
See, there's limitations that sometimes we walk by that other people have influenced us. And, and this morning, when you think about other people influencing, we all have been influenced by the environment around us. Sometimes the, uh, the teachers that we've had, the, uh, the uh, friends that we've chosen to walk with. We, we've been in a place where maybe the pastor is, in, hopefully the pastor has influenced us in a good way. But our parents have influenced us. There's meaningful, good, meaningful people that have spoken into our lives that sometimes just they didn't say the right thing. That's why what we did this morning by bringing a little Alexander up, he doesn't even know how much he is loved. But he will one day. Realize this morning that your limitations change your belief system. If you allow people that are not godly people, if you do not have a filter of what people are telling you, and that filter is God, the word of God in your life, you will receive everything and make it part of your identity. People are limited by their age, the color of their skin, their gender, their shape, their education, the connections that they have. You know, you know I, I just have limitations, Pastor. I don't really know anybody. All those people that are valuable, all those people that have money, all those people that are doing so, I don't know them, therefore I can't. Do, do you know God? He trumps any connection that somebody else might have. They're, they're important, but God is the most. See, the passage of Scripture that you know that I continually go back to keep us focused on is John 10.10. 10. Because the reason Jesus himself said that he came, we can argue all the way about this and that and this, but Jesus said, I have come to give you life. One translation says that you might enjoy life. Hello? That's a, that's a thought that you might enjoy life. Have you ever known somebody that you try to convince and they just won't have any of it that I'm supposed to enjoy life? Jesus said, I've come that you might enjoy life and have it to the full. But here it is, to the overflow. Somebody might think, you know, does God know how much the capacity of the cup is? Yeah, he knows and he's okay with it overflowing. Let me speak into your life this morning. There's a reason that you're blessed to overflowing is that you might bless somebody else. Okay, this morning I want you to see this. Because the overflow is more than enough. Our God is more than enough. Not only did he say, I'm going to take you out of slavery, because everybody would say, that's a win. Hallelujah, I'm out of slavery. But God didn't bring the children of Israel out of slavery for that point. He said, I'm going to bring you out of slavery. That's the God of... You know, just enough. But the God of more than enough is saying, I'm going to bring you and take you into a promised land that's flowing with milk and honey. Here's a better word, a prosperous country. Pastor, are you talking about prosperity? Yes, I am. He says, I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build and olive groves that you didn't plant, vineyards that you didn't plant. Here's the way that I see it. I'm going to give you houses that you didn't build or you pay for, and I'm going to give you businesses that you didn't start. Pastor, that's, that's pretty close to home there. That almost sounds too good to be true. And what I've always heard, and what you're saying is, your belief system is, what I've always heard, if it's too good to be true, it's probably not. And therefore, our belief system is controlling the ability to limit God in our life.
See, when we talk about Ephesians 3.20 that says God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. See, sometimes we think that God can do just what we can do in our own power. But God says, I can do exceedingly above that. Just dare to think bigger and better than what you're thinking right now. You know, in context to that passage in Ephesians chapter 3, it's talking about the love. If we could just grasp, Paul says, how much God loves us and how deep his love, wide, long, and high his love is, then you would begin to expect things to happen. See, God told Sarah, and here is Sarah, and she's going, are you kidding me? I'm too old to have a child. And, and God comes back through the, the angel that visited Sarah and said, is there anything too hard for God? See, I love Isaiah 59 that says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. See, when we get in place and we get to working by faith towards what God has for us, a lot of times we think, well, God just cannot, he's, his arm, you know, kind of like that commercial about the alligator arm, you know, picking up the check at the dinner table, you know. I'll get it, I'll get it, because his arm's too short, you know, kind of like the alligator. I, I can't get it, I can't. Is God's arm too short to reach you and to provide exceedingly abundantly above? All that we could ask or think, the question is, and the answer is no. See, the good news is putting ourselves in an identity, what God speaks over our life, that begins to open up the realization of how much actually God loves us. And sometimes it contradicts our belief system to the point that our eyes begin to open and we go, wow, God, are you that good? Well, let me refer to Ephesians chapter 1 to make my point. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul is saying this, and this is out of the Amplified Version. For he foreordained, which means destined or planned in love for us. He planned this, strategized it, he destined it. To, for us to be adopted, revealed as his own children through Christ in accordance with his purpose of his will. Because it pleased him, and why? Because of his kind intent. So that we might be the praise and the commendation of his glorious grace, which is his favor and mercy, which he so freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Now, now let me just say it this way. He adopted us because he loves us so much. See, we get caught up and people get caught up in, again, I want to repeat it. I've said it many times and here I go again. You're not special and therefore God loves you. But because God loves you, it makes you special. And so when we walk in the favor of God, we realize that it's not something that we did. We didn't jump through some hoop. We didn't take a special class in school to get the favor of God. It's unmerited favor on our life. Now this morning in the short time that I have left, and Gwen is covering up my clock, so I only see the hour. So you might say, yeah, okay, there we go. I want, I want you to hear this because this is a passage of scripture that I ran across a couple of weeks ago and I've planned it for this Sunday, the last Sunday of the year. Especially in the dedication of my grandson because I saw this as such a powerful passage. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 48 
And we're going to be talking about the story of the dedication or the blessing on two young men's life. Their name was Manassas and Ephraim. Now I want to remind you of the story previous to this. And it's about a man named Joseph. And Joseph has had a dream. And because of the dream, his brothers have grown jealous and they put him in a pit. They bring him out of the pit and they sell him into slavery. And he goes into the prison because of what he stands for and because of an unfavorable situation in life that he's gone through. He goes from the pit to the palace or you could say to the prime minister's position because of the favor of God on his life. Now here, here's where I want to get this. Can you imagine a young man that's been in prison for approximately 13 years and he doesn't know in a few hours that they're going to call him and he's never going to go to prison again. That's the God of enough. Hallelujah. Set free. Liberty. But does he know that he serves the God of more than enough? That he's not only going to be out of slavery, out of prison, but he's going to be the second most powerful. And really, you could say he's the most powerful. Well, Pastor, I thought there was a king called Pharaoh. Pharaoh, at this point, wasn't making any moves without the advice of the man of God. So he has the most influential position in all of the country. Oh, he's nothing. He's just some prisoner down there with stripes on in the prison. Nobody really knew about him. God did. And God said in an appointed time, he's coming out of that prison. So can you imagine 30 minutes before he's doing what he's always done, but he's still believing in God. And then 10 minutes and then 5 minutes until the point that comes and the, the people come and say, Hey, hey, come on. Where are we going? And he walks until he gets cleaned up and he stands in front of the Pharaoh. Of all the things that he's gone through in his life, he could have shut down and went, I, I'm not going to help anybody. But he interprets the dream. He's propelled to the prime minister. And now we come to the end of the story. Well, let me just say this. He is able through the favor of God to be in a position to bring all his starving family from the land of Israel up to Egypt to provide for him in the best part of Egypt called Goshen. The story is that his father Jacob has thought he has been dead for 13 plus years, maybe even longer. passage of scripture says that he grows ill, Jacob, and it's the time for the father to, to put blessings upon his son. Pastor, I thought you said sons, not grandsons. Yeah, we'll get to that. But the passage that I'm talking about in Genesis chapter 48, he calls, he calls Joseph his son and he's sitting there and he's talking about how God, hey, hey son, let me tell you, let me remind you, you've already heard it before, but God said that he would bless me and make me fruitful and he will increase my numbers. I want to remind you that, Joseph. He will make me, and my, out of my offspring, it'll be a community of people. So what I want you to know is to serve God. Here's what I want you to do, son. I want you to declare because here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take these two sons of yours, Ephraim and Manasseh, and I'm going to adopt them as my sons. And what I'm going to do is not only am I going to leave an inheritance to my sons, but I'm going to leave those two grandsons an inheritance and a blessing equal to my sons. Can you see Joseph? 
Now, a lot of us might think, well, if he's the most powerful, he's probably wealthier than his father. He knew the blessing that came down through the father to the son, to the grandsons. And I, I can't even imagine Joseph saying, are you serious? You're going to bless my sons in that way? He says, come on, let me, let me bless them. So he brings, Joseph has these two sons and he brings them to his father and he sets them on his knees and he's, he's enjoying his grandsons that now he's adopted as sons. And then he begins the process of blessing them. It says that Jacob was old and his eyes began to fail. And it says that Joseph took the grandsons, and, and now that are sons, and puts them down and, and separates them so that the oldest, Manasseh, will be on Jacob's right hand. The, the right hand was a symbol of a double blessing on the oldest. The left hand would bless, but the right hand was a symbol. So Joseph puts the oldest on the right side so he can get the double blessing. The Bible says in verse 11 that I want you to see in chapter 48, verse 11, it says, Israel said to Joseph, Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. Did you hear that? The God that is showing favor to Joseph has showed favor to his father, Jacob, and said, I didn't even expect to see your face again. In other words, I thought you were dead. His, his sons had sold him into slavery but told his father that he had been killed by an animal. He says, Joseph, in, 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 in just his emotions, he's saying, Joseph, I'm so glad to see you. I didn't even expect to see you again. And now God has allowed me to see your children too. The grandsons, which now are his sons, are there. It says, then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim and the right, towards Israel's left hand and Manasseh on his left towards the right hand and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand. Listen to this. He reaches out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Read with me just a few verses. In verse 15 it says, Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd, which is really my leader, he has led me. Jacob says, My leader. All my life to this day, he's led me. Then he says this, the angel who has delivered me from all harm. What, what Jacob's saying, my God has been my protector. He says this, may he bless these boys. In other words, may he provide for them as he's provided for me. What a testimony. And then he says this, may there be... May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. See, a lot of people will say just increase in numbers, but I believe what he's saying is a blessing on them to increase in all areas of their life. To not be stagnant of where they are today, that they would continually increase. But this is what's happened. Remember, Joseph in the, the story is down on his face in respect. 
And he looks up and he sees his hands crossed, his father's hands crossed, putting the double portion on the wrong one, he thinks. And he gets up and he, he says, no, 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 dad, you, you, you got it wrong. Manasseh is the oldest. He, and he goes to move his hands to the right place. And he says, no, 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 son. He says, the oldest will be blessed, but I'm telling you, the younger will be blessed increasingly even more. His father Jacob says this at the end of the story. He says, may God make you like Ephraim and Manasseh. So he put Ephraim ahead of Manasseh. This morning, I want to speak encouragement to your soul, your mind, your will, and oh yeah, your emotions. Because I know working with people, if some people don't feel it, they're not going to do it. Even though I encourage you, even as a Christian, we walk by faith and not by sight. If we go too much on emotions, we get out of hacked and out of control. But this morning, I want to speak to your soul, and the good news of this story is this. The emotion or the feeling of good news, what the favor of God on our life is, is you are people that can have the favor of God even at this point if you feel like you're standing in the back of the group. God says, hey, 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 come on up to the front. The good news is those people that are here that feel like you've had reached a limit in your life and you go, you know, I really haven't seen increase in my life, not just in my work, but in my relationships and in, in my health. God says, oh yeah, come on up to the front. I've got something for you this year. I want you to see some observations of favor in this story. Some of you might have seen it already, but some of you say, no, no, I didn't see that. The first one is the impossible expectations. Have you ever gotten to a place where you thought that there was no way to expect God's favor in your life concerning something? We've been talking about Isaiah 30 verse 18 where God's, it says this in Isaiah. That God lifts himself up to show loving and kindness to you. The, the posture of a God, our God, that would lift himself up to look long and expect to show kindness and love to us is so good. But when you think of the impossible expectations that here is a father named Jacob and he never expects to see his son Joseph again. It is over. He is dead and gone. But God resurrects, so to speak, this son that was gone into a new life with him and now his grandchildren. I think that when I look at the expectations of Jacob saying, I never thought I'd see your face again or my grandsons. Think of what Joseph could have been thinking at that time. Oh, dad, I never thought I'd see your face again. I thought I'd be in prison. I could have thought I'd been in prison all my life. But we both worship a God of favor. And that's why we're here this morning. I want you to see this observation. That those young boys come under the things that a lot of people say it's not earned or fair when you talk about favor. It's not earned or fair. 
Jacob adopts his grandsons into the promise and inheritance that's equal to his own sons. Realize that the grandsons, that's not fair. And the sons could have said, Dad, they're grandsons. They need to wait. They don't get an equal portion to your blessing on their lives. They're grandsons. It wasn't fair, but God says, I am the God of fair, and it's not earned, and it's not fair, but I will give favor who I choose. The, the next observation is the, 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 the observation of qualified. Realize that these sons were not qualified. And, and this is sometimes hard to hear, but these boys were not qualified for the blessing or the adoption. They, if you remember, Joseph in Egypt marries a woman that is Egyptian. The Egyptians were idol worshipers. Dun, 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 go to the back of the line. Your mother was an idol worshiper. Your mother is an Egyptian. But those boys had nothing to do with that. And when I read that God's favor is on these boys to be able to bring them to the front, even though that their background could have disqualified them, some of you today are going through things of your past because somebody did, or your, back, your family background, or whatever you have done in your past. And listen, even if it was your fault, we serve a God of grace and mercy. That when you begin to walk into that, you say, God, I, I receive your grace into my life. I ask for forgiveness for that. Are, are, we, are we again to the point where we don't think God's arm is long enough to bless us, even though we've gone through those times in our life? Or that our background, some people would say, disqualifies us? Let, let me give you one more, and that's the time factor. See, the boys, that those grandsons in Manasseh and Ephraim should have to wait for a whole other generation to be blessed. A generation was 40 years, even though I believe the Bible says that Joseph himself lived 110 years. So if he's give or take 30 when this happened, they might have had to wait 80 years to get the blessing of their father, Joseph. But see, the God that says, you know what, I don't work with time. I can excel the time in blessing you. Well, you know, you know, I've only been on the job a couple months. I don't know if I can get a promotion. Oh, yes, I can, says Lisa Cruz, and she walks right in to that promotion. A year later, you've been promoted two or three times, and other people go, well, you haven't been here long enough. It says, time doesn't matter to me. I can, I can do it tomorrow. You know, all those things you can say, but God. See, the impossible, then you say, but God. And God crosses his arms and blesses us. And says, even when you can't see it. And, and a, a young pastor, 26 years old, named John Miller, took a church that was in Haltom City. And, and I remember in thinking, God, God, you know, we're on a church street. There was five churches on our street. A minister friend that went to school with me came and he wasn't trying to be mean. He just said, this, this is kind of cool. You could put a kind of roof over this, this street and kind of have a church mall. Instead of hauling water to the desert, I felt like I was hauling water to the ocean. 
Everybody in the city in that area, if they went to church or not, knew where they were going to go to church. I begin to believe and pray, God, do you you want us to uh, relocate? And some of the pastors that had previously pastored the church came later and said, yeah, we just knew that it's going to be a lot of work to relocate the church. I thought to myself, I wish I could say that I knew the God of favor and I just stepped out, man of, I just didn't know how much work it was going to be. But see, God led us and and promised me this, that I'll make a way where there seems to be no way and a path that seems that there's no path out there. And if you'll trust me, I'll make your fruit so bountiful you can't even hold it. Now watch this. As we begin to look for land and on all the, all the fronts, even becoming, John Miller becomes a real estate agent going to school. And, and the problem about doing all that you can do and letting God do all he can do, you, you begin to go, God, you're not doing enough on your part. So be careful in that. Still couldn't find any land. And, and I remember, and in, 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 man, frustration, God. And I just get getting this overwhelming. And that's why we go to church because my belief system is that when I make a choice to go to church, the experience is encouragement. Right? And so what happens is when I was going to church all those months when I wanted God to work faster, 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 I was encouraged every Sunday to keep going, not to lose hope. Until one day it all started with a phone call. They called us and said, yeah, we got 10 acres out there on uh, Golden Track. We're moving from Haltom City. So this is like a thousand miles from where we're moving. I said, where is it at? Haltom City is where we were and we move all the way. This this piece of property comes for sale. and, And the guy says, you know, we've had several people interested in buying it. But the multimillionaire that owns it just hasn't felt good about selling it. I know why he didn't feel good about selling it. Because the God of the favor said, John, I am going to give you something. You have tried your best, but just in a few days, you're going to see it. As I'm standing there in front of his personal real estate agent, they they owned a building over by Texas uh, Arlington Stadium, the Rangers, and and we're in there, and and let me tell you, it looks like Mayberry RFD went to New York. You know, we're in there, and we're, wow, this is pretty good, you know. And and, and the guy says, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, Sell it to you. There's some floodplain on it for two hundred twenty thousand dollars, and and we. I'm like, give me the pen, give me the pen. We had about eighty five thousand dollars from the sale of the other building. We had fifty thousand finance, so roughly, on paper, one hundred thirty five thousand. We had a lady on the board, Ina May Palmer, and we had Joe Forquart, and we had Walt Collins, and and we began to. He, he left the room and we began to talk about it. And we said, you know what? I wonder if he would take 135. Now, 220 was a steal. Because from the time we sold the church, everything out in this area was about 10, 15,000 an acre. But because of the savings and loan crisis, I know that was a long time ago, but let's, let's bring it here. Savings and loan, it went from 10,000 to a dollar a foot, which is 43,000. 
just in the time that we're trying to find land. So this could have been about a half a million dollars piece of property, even with floodplain on it. You know, part of the verbal talking about it can get you excited. When we went in there and we said, do you think he'd take 135000 The personal real estate agent said, well, he's a car dealer, so he likes to negotiate. He's putting his boat in the ocean in California. When he gets back, I'll ask him. He's probably got 50000 in his right shoe. Yeah, ask him. So we waited and waited and finally got the phone call. He'll take it. 135000 So we bought 10 and a half acres debt-free. We began to build on it. And you know the story. I could tell you because I love telling the story. But at the end where we stand right now, this morning, I looked. And on Terran Appraisal District, ours is somewhere valued. Where did I write it down? I'm going to round it off because it's a little bit more than this, but $7.4 million. Do you think that John Miller had a clue that this would become? No. But the God of favor on my life and on this church's life and on that board's life said, I know what I'm doing, John. Just stay the course. But God crossed his arms and again showed favor. When you think about it, you say, well, those stories in the Bible, Abraham, I, I can't have children. Why, God, am I going to be called Abraham, the father of many nations? I don't even have children. God says, I'll go with you. I'm the God of favor. Moses says, I, I don't have the skills to talk and I don't, I don't have the right things to be the leader of all these people. God says, I'll go with you. Ruth says, I don't have the background. I'm a Moabite. But God says, I'll go with you. How about Rahab that says, you know what? I'm a prostitute. I have no place in the family of God. God says, oh, I've got a plan for you. He says, I'm going to go with you. Gideon says, I'm not qualified, I'm not confident, kind of scared. God says, you won't be scared because I'm going to go with you. Samson says, I'm responsible, I blew it myself, it's my fault. God says, I'm the God of mercy and I'll be with you. Dream again and it says, Samson did more in his death than in his life. Now this morning, I want you to see this because a lot of people will say, well, pastor, what are we doing now as a church? Well, we have embarked on something that you know, and if you don't know, do some research. It'll make your testimony great too, is that we've embarked on reaching out of our church walls. How many people have grown up in the, the church is more than the four walls, huh? But we have a coffee shop that we can minister to people every day it's open. We're believing for the retail building next door to be rented. And the day that that happens, that that one building will pay for everything. And on paper, we'll be out of debt 100%. The God of favor is working on your life today. 
Now, let me end by saying this. In Revelation chapter 3, we've heard this story of the salvation message, and it says, Behold, I'm standing at the door knocking. (laughs) Don't let God just knock continually on the door. Let him in. But it says this, If your heart is open to hear my voice and you open the door within, I will come in. So, So to speak, it's a sure thing. I will come in to you and feast with you, and you will feast with me. That's out of the Passion Translation. It says this, that I will go with you. I will come in and be with you. You will experience my favor because where I am, I'm in favor of you. See, in the passage, if you keep going a little bit further, he says, people are saying that the reason why they hadn't grown cold or hot and lukewarm is because he says, they are telling themselves, I'm rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing. See, they got to a place where they said, I don't need the presence of God in my life anymore. But see, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm still knocking. What you're searching for, what you think you're going to accomplish on your own is impossible. Oh, you might do a little things, but for eternity, it's not going to be worth anything. But with me, if you connect with me, the branches and the vine, so to speak, then it is a something of value. One day you'll be able to look back on your life and say, wow, look at what God has done. The God of favor has been on my life. The blessing of God, he crossed his hands. I wasn't qualified. You say, well, you know, I didn't have the right background. I I might have blew it. I I fell in all these different things that were going on in my life. But God, every time, showed me favor in my life as long as I was faithful to him. So this morning, as we come to the end of this message, when I, when I see this almost as an illustration this morning of little Alexander up here, and, and, and at his age, he, he doesn't know what is ahead of him. But as we prayed for not only Alexander, we prayed for his parents, and we prayed for us as family and friends. Now listen to this. How far... Could that little boy go if he had people that gathered around him and said, Oh, Alexander, you, you know the favor of God's on your life. And God's going to show himself to you. Just stay faithful. How many of us have experienced that in our life? People in our life that has come up to us when we've gone through something that's rough and we say, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. I I don't know. Is God faithful? And you got somebody, maybe younger than you. It doesn't have to be older than you. He or she. But somebody comes up and puts their arms around you. Oh, stay the course. Don't give up. You didn't earn it. You're not going to earn it. You're not going to have the right time. It's not going to be perfect what you think. God has a plan for your life. And he's adopted you as sons and daughters into his family. Let's pray this morning. Father, today, you see our hearts. And Father, there's so many different things here going on in people's lives. You, You know each of us so detailed. You know each one of us and what's going on in our lives personally. But God, you're faithful to all of us. 
But God, we ask today for favor on our life in areas that we don't see coming. God, job promotions that we don't see. God, we see possible things that are, we, we don't see possible things that are coming that might be of negative things coming in our life. But God, we pray for favor that those are diverted. And God, we pray as a church that we see this church as world changers. God, we're not the biggest church. We don't have the most people. We don't have the most money. But God, that doesn't matter to you when you cross your arms and show favor to your people. Father, that's what we ask today. We look long and expect for your favor show up in our lives. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. This morning it has been a pleasure for all of us to be in the house of the Lord this year. And thank you for taking an opportunity to be here. I want to remind you, as God has blessed us, that we're to be a blessing. Our church has blessed a lot of people in the time that they're going through maybe a financial crisis. We took up an offering the night of the candlelight service, and maybe you weren't here and you'd like to give to benevolence. The ushers are going to stand at the door, um, maybe for a couple more weeks for sanitary purposes so that we don't pass the plate. I don't know what that, but anyway. But the good news is they have two hands and they're strong men to hold all the money that's coming. Some of you are laughing because you know it's a joke and some of you are laughing because you want to see it. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Hallelujah. God, as we leave now, I pray blessings and favor on your people. God, not only that you would bless us with favor, but our eyes would be open to see it and then be grateful when it happens. That we might again speak of the goodness of God. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to church today.